earned capital in the campaign, political capital, and now I intend to spend it. And now I intend to spend it. You're listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire on News Talk 1290. Join the conversation on Facebook at hashtag America's Healthcare Challenge or like our page at facebook.com backslash America's Healthcare Challenge. And welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. 1-800-577-1290 if you'd like to join the conversation with Stuart Sloan and Sean McGuire here. Stuart and I are talking this week about where we are as far as uh, essentially a month into the Trump administration. And, man, there's been an awful lot of activity uh, as uh, as uh, as seen in, in the news conference, which was quite the battle last week, Stu- uh, I guess yesterday. Stuart, did you watch the news conference? Or I guess, as I said, Trump is the news in many ways. Um, did, did you check that out? Yeah, I did. <clears throat> yeah, it was yeah. pretty interesting. Um, but uh, anyways, we're talking about um, – any ACA type of replacement plan this week. Um, Can you explain exactly uh, what the uh, ACA covered and how it was paid for? Because I think a lot of people don't realize that any type of change could could have an impact on certain folks. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. The projected cost, this was in March of 2010, was $940 billion supposedly over 10 years. Uh, and supposedly the statement was that we reduced the deficit by $143 billion over the same 10-year period. So the question comes in, you know, what did it cover? Uh, it covered the establishment of health insurance exchanges. Uh, the uninsured and self-employed uh, uh, people would be able to purchase insurance through state-based uh, and also uh, federal uh, exchanges uh, for individuals and families uh, with incomes between 133% and 400% of the poverty level at that time. Uh, subsidies for individuals and families who made between 100 and 400% of the federal poverty level uh, to purchase their own health insurance. And the federal poverty level, as established at that point, was $22,050, uh, a very low level. Then paying for the plan, uh, Medicare payroll tax on investment income, uh, this was expanded uh, to include unearned income, and that was a new 3.8% on investment income for families making more than 250000 per year and, and 200000 for individuals. Then the excise tax, uh, which was supposed to begin in 2018, uh, would uh, pay 40% tax on so-called Cadillac tax uh, insurance plans uh, for $27,000 for families and $10,200 for individuals, uh, this was deferred until 2020. And obviously now with a with a revamped plan, that's not going to come into play at all. Then there was a tanning tax, 10% excise tax. The on John Boehner tax, they called it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then Medicare closes the Medicare prescription drug uh, donut hole by 2020. And seniors who hit the donut hole before then uh, would receive a $250 rebate. And then in 2011, seniors uh, in the cap will receive 50% discount on their brand-name drugs. Uh, then Medicaid expanded uh, Medicaid, uh, as we just said, for the states that, that agreed to expand their Medicaid uh, program. 
And then insurance reforms, insurance companies could no longer deny children coverage based on pre-existing conditions. Insurance companies cannot deny coverage to anyone with pre-ex. Insurance companies must allow children to stay on their parents' insurance plans until age 26. So it was a lot of different things affecting, obviously, every segment of the population, uh, individuals, families, uh, you know, employers, uh, people of Medicare age. It really had an effect on everyone, Sean. And then you mentioned the employer mandate, too, right? Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest biggest ones in there, Yeah, too. it is. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, there's, I think there was almost 19 or 20 taxes overall in, in the yep. law to, to pay for it. And that's going to be a huge issue when they try and do any sort of replacement, because how are they going to pay for some of those replacements? And that's, and that's the ongoing discussion that, that's happening right now. Right. You're absolutely right. People will realize how powerful the Congressional Budget Office can become yep. in the whole process. One of those things, though, that is important and I think um, is interesting, too, is this issue of community rating and how it works under the ACA. Uh, do you think community rating will stay uh, under the ACA or, or under any Trump care plan, I guess? Uh that's really another one of those issues that's, uh, you know, that's up for debate. But let's talk about that for just a minute. Uh, it's a way to price insurance. It's when all policyholders in a given area pay the same premium no matter what their personal health, age, gender, or other factors are. Uh, the communities and area which the insurance is offered in uh, could be an entire state or just part of the state. And so <clears throat> under adjusted or modified community rating, insurance calculates a community rating and can adjust the cost basis only for family size, where you live, if you are a tobacco user, and your age. Insurance uh, Insurers are limited on how much they can charge for these things. For example, they cannot charge the oldest people the insurer more than three times what they charge for the youngest person. And they charge tobacco users more than 50% more than what they charge uh, people who don't use tobacco. They can't do that. So this is uh, sometimes called modified community rating. Um, and the, the Center for Medicaid and uh, Medicare Excellence recommended that rating areas be limited to a maximum of seven per state. And that each market would utilize a single risk pool. So there wasn't a lot of choice, and this was a major change because uh, health care products uh, could have, as far as uh, insurance company filings, as many as eight different rating bases prior to the ACA. So this was a major change under the Affordable Care Act. One of the things I heard when I listened in on the, uh, I guess, the tapes from that retreat, Republican retreat, was... Are they looking at moving that number around from the three to one to a different number? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's are, one of the one of the provisions. Are we going to cover that later, or should we maybe let people understand what that might mean? Because the original thing, I think, is that's one of the reasons why it kept young people from going in because didn't their rates go up mm-hmm. because of this? Yeah. Some of the discussion, just to make a quick comment on that, John, uh, was to move it to five instead of three reading areas uh-huh yeah so that that might have an impact a little bit huh yeah it probably would yeah. if they retain 
you know, modified community rating. Right. All of these things could potentially be in play, and this is why it's going to be so so unbelievably interesting to uh, go through. But you know, a lot has happened in the last thirty days. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can remember thirty days where it's been anything. <laughs> Like this before, uh, has there been any progress in any repair or uh, replacement of the ACA efforts? Yeah, let's let's talk about that for just a minute. <clears throat> um, if we remember that the ACA took 13 months to be developed and passed, there's been a great deal of work done behind the scenes thus far, and it's just as you said, 28 days into the new uh, Trump uh, presidency. I think the anxiety we see is that people want to know what their options will be for continued coverage. They want to make sure that they don't lose what they have, and they are anxious for details of what the cost of the new program would be. Today, the ACA provides coverage to 20.4 million people uh, who do not have access to employer-provided health coverage or government-provided coverage. So... Uh, you know, in a population of 324 million, uh, 20 million may not seem significant, uh, but it has a, a major effect on the economy uh, for these people in terms of their cost for, for health care in regards to everything else that they pay for in the House. So one of the things that Trump has verbalized and was just yesterday, that with all these behind-the-scenes efforts, he wants to make sure that people that have coverage right now are going to be able to retain the coverage they have on some basis going forward. You think that's possible? Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah, that's, I hope so. I hope so. Um, and I know that it was difficult. When, I mean, didn't President Obama say, if you like your plan, you can keep it? Yes, we certainly remember that. Yeah, so I don't know if I'd want to go on record as as saying those things with all of these these changes that that could potentially happen but um any other th- thoughts on any repair and replace effort i think it's going to be more repair personally i think they're um, going to be doing more i repair. think there're going to be several different elements there there will be certain elements of repair uh some of the things that were in the aca obviously will be changed uh, other things will will uh, you know take other pieces place mm-hmm. but i think what you're going to see is an overall attempt to make sure that everybody has coverage on some basis that's affordable. And I think the key word here is affordability. That really wasn't the case since 2010, not with a 25% rate increase uh, in the Obamacare exchanges, uh, you know, for 2016. Mm -hmm. It was called the Affordable Care Act, but it wasn't affordable. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. Yeah. So, well, how do we drive down costs? I think that's kind of the ultimate question that everybody's trying to figure out i mean do you have any thoughts on well, that I, I don't have any you know magic bullets here but you know there there are various proposals that are out there and you know we'll discuss this as we move further you know into this show segment um there are various proposals in terms of using different techniques in terms of controlling costs uh what insurance companies you know can charge the plans that they offer uh, taking away some of the, uh, the minimum essential coverage that was a requirement that made the Obamacare coverage is so expensive. Mm-hmm. Right. I think those are some of the changes that that we'll see, Sean. Right. 
I have a couple ideas that I'll probably share as well. Uh, we're up against the timeout. Uh, before we uh, do, do take a timeout, uh, I wanted to see if you had any final thoughts because next segment's really important, I think, because a lot of people are talking about, well, what if we go back to what it was like before the ACA and we're going to talk about what those rules look like. Mm-hmm. So we'll do that more with Stuart Sloan and uh, here on America's Healthcare Challenge. You're listening to America's Healthcare Challenge, 402-342-1290, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash America's Healthcare Challenge. And also check out our website, healthreformexplained.com. And you can actually start subscribing here at the end of next week to our very new newsroom where we'll be compiling all of the stories so you can uh, save an awful lot of time just by plugging in to us. We'll be right back. Unfortunately, much of the media in Washington, D.C., along with New York, Los Angeles, in particular, speaks not for the people, but for the special interests and for those profiting off a very, very obviously broken system. The press has become so dishonest because the press honestly is out of control. The level of dishonesty is out of control. I know what you're thinking, punk. You're thinking, did he fire six shots or only five? Now, to tell you the truth, I forgot myself and all this excitement. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Mm-hmm. 